Hello there and welcome to season 6 episode 3 of the Bitcoin Takeover podcast. I am Vlad and my guest today has never ever 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 been on a Bitcoin podcast. So if you're hearing him today, it's the first time and it's something exclusive that you will not hear somewhere else for some while until somebody figures out how to steal him and get him to talk about similar topics. But I get to be first, and I, I take the bra- bragging rights for that. His name is Louis Ploning, or Pluning. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. He's going to tell us the story. But the ins- essential part is that he's the growth director of Indicoin. You can follow him on Twitter at Plucoins. P-L-U-C-O-I-N-Z. He's from Mexico, and he's trying to spread adoption in Latin America. So, hello, Luis. Hi, uh, Vlad. Thank you so much for the introduction. Actually, your your pronunciation was was really okay. <laughs> so, um, well, first of all, thank you for having me in, in your space. Uh, as you can imagine, I'm a little bit uh, nervous because it's my first time in a podcast, but uh, I've been following you for quite some time, and uh, I'm... I'm uh, I'm really excited about it, and thank you so much. So let's let's start, right? Yeah, I just realized that I wasn't following you, so I just followed you on Twitter. I have no idea why. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. I'm 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 not uh, really good on the you know on 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 uh, crypto Twitter. Like I don't have a lot of followers, but uh, it's a it's a space that I need to improve that. Uh, but I, I'm I mean I'm jealous of of your number of followers. You're quite of a sensation there. I'm not a sensation, but I used to work in media, so. I got to interact with a lot of people and some people just followed me to read my articles and I built some following. I mean, it's inevitable and I spend way too much time on Twitter. I think I'm addicted, but I don't want to admit it. <laughs> I think, yeah, all the, the crypto Twitter, it's it's really addictive right now, especially in, this, in these times, it's super, super uh, moving. Like there is so many developments that it's hard to keep on and it's just scroll to scroll to scroll you know yes so Luis, you are from mexico what is bitcoin like in mexico well um it's it's kind of complicated because um as you know um we are a really big country we have 125 million people um but the 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 banking solutions and and the adoption of new technologies it's really hard so uh, I believe, uh, I might correct me if, I, if someone correct me, but there is like around more than 6 million people unbanked in the country, you know, 60 million people without bank accounts. And, and, and that's kind of crazy. So when, when um, the adoption of Bitcoin comes, it is hard to inform the people, like actually first to explain uh, what is Bitcoin and what's the use for it, and then to integrate them in, 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 in the system to get Bitcoin, right? Because a lot of people, they don't have bank accounts. So, so you have to take away like buying it from exchanges, buying it from there, because there are, there are these, these, these especially low income class, like uh, they are based on other necessities. There is a big uh, group or, or kind of a big group of, 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 of Bitcoin in the, in the country. Um, mainly we have two exchanges, three. Like we have Bitso, we have Tauros and Bolabit. And uh, I mean, they, they have really good volumes, especially Bitso. Bitso is kind of the exchange from Latin America, like they have service in Argentina and Mexico. And I believe they also have uh, a lot of remittances from, from our fellow immigrant friends in, in the United States. So uh, mainly the use of Bitcoin in Mexico has been done for remittances, remittances of the immigrants that they go to work to either United States or other countries or Canada. And they said, send money to to their families in mexico yeah that's actually interesting because in many countries this narrative of banking the unbanked 
has been dead since like 2015 or something when they realized that the fees are getting high and it's not sustainable to do on-chain payments. But I can see why it's coming back as we have side chains, we have second layers, we have different ways of transferring Bitcoin and provably Bitcoin has a greater value right now than it ever has. It's more recognized. It's the right tool for the right time during these times of inflation. So yeah, I can see why Diam Banked would actually want to have this kind of money. Correct. It, I mean, it, it works uh, as a tool, as a, a, as a system of value. And in Mexico, it works really good. Why? Because first of all, like, let's go just initially to the remittance side, okay? Like remittance... Um, Usually an immigrant in the United States, what they use is Western Union, you know, like Western Union or other type of remittance. And Western Union can take up to 20% of, of the money that you send uh, to, to Mexico. So the fees that they have are really, really crazy. Whereas in crypto, I mean, um, of course, you, you need the, this on-ramp, off-ramp for crypto, right? Like change it like crypto to fiat but but the fees are not as high as as uh you know this up to 20 or 18 percent the western union so it makes it like a, a really good uh, stable secure safe and fast and effective uh, matter to to send money to your family so um there's been a a big increase on that and with other like uh, not only Bitcoin, but with other type of, of currencies, there's been uh, an implementation of new platforms and, and, and new projects that they promise to be really fast and, and reliable, much better than the, than the traditional finance. So um, that's on the term of the remittance. And then we have the similar, but not as hard as Venezuela or Argentina, um, the, the term of inflation, right? Because right now, dollar is uh, against euro, it's kind of low. But if you compare a Mexican peso to, to dollar, it drops substantially. So a lot of people, they rather have like a store, like, like have assurance to have money on Bitcoin to have a kind of stability than, than to have it in Mexican pesos as well. Take it as a way of investment. So just for the record, what is the inflation rate in Mexico and in other Latin American countries? Well, in Mexico, I need to check uh, right now the inflation rate, but there was a drop against the dollar for about uh, eight, 20% since the corona. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind, of, kind of hard. It's not hyperinflation like in Venezuela, you know, that, or Argentina that, uh, especially in Venezuela, I, 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 I traveled there uh, quite some time. I know the country really good. I used to, 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 two years ago, I traveled there. And I mean, I used to have to travel to, with a, with a baggage full of money, which represented, it was full, full of bills, but it only represented $50, you know, and every day you have to check or every, every, like, Three hours, the, the exchange rate would change, and then, like it was from forty-five thousand bolivares to fifty thousand, and then eighty thousand, and then there is no stop. So a lot of people that they get the pay day, they will change it just for for food or for basic necessities because it's a liability to have just just bolivares in your in your in your wallet, you know, every time is depreciating. Mexico is, is not like that. We have a good, good economy, like a stable economy, but always uh, the, there is a, like an inflation against the, the US dollar. That's for sure. Yeah. And I can imagine in these times when the US dollar gets inflated and they print more money to give these, what do you call them? Mm. Support checks, what did yeah. they call yeah, them? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so during the pandemic, well, they gave each U.S. citizen $1,800, I think. And today they are in talks to give even more to all families because they were out of work and some people just needed the money to survive. But that was not money collected from taxes. 
it was not money from the reserves. It was money that they printed specifically for this purpose. And it's likely that they also printed more to pump Wall Street, which today NASDAQ is at a new all-time high. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Even Warren Buffett was very bullish on the U.S. economy is getting into gold nowadays. Now, now it's it's really crazy, and 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 you're right, Vlad. Like, uh, I believe it was twelve hundred dollars what they gave on on these support checks. Uh, thank, <laughs> and it, it's kind of crazy, right? Because everyone, uh, I mean, it was twelve hundred dollars that the people received, uh, you know, on a check or on their bank account. But actually, what I heard, um, I read on the news, is that. Each $1,200 to the government, it costs like $8,000, right? And people, they don't think where where this money comes from. Like, actually, they don't know that where it's come from. But, but then you see that they're printing like $3 trillion. And it's like, okay, this you just print money. Uh, on on what is backed up this money, right? Like, is it going to happen, same as 2008, that you have uh, credits and then you have revolving credits and then they go into options with these credits and then the whole economy collapses? Uh, I think probably it will, you know, like... uh, Right now, the stock market, it's crazy. Hertz, Kodak, uh, companies that are bankrupt, they're they're doing all-time highs. Um, I believe the only, like, good signals of what is going on, like, and how the American economy is collapsing is the the price of of, of gold, of silver, and the comparison, uh, the FX against the euro, because actually this whole corona time the most stable uh economy i believe it's been europe uh right because i believe the the exchange rate it was like 1.14 dollars against the euro and now it's almost hitting 120 it's like 1.19 dollars so uh europe it's stable but for mexico going back to mexico like we have a saying that when when they when um, the United States sneezes, <laughs> we have like a pneumonia in Mexico. You know, everything goes like way bigger because uh, our stability economically is is not as big. So um, our focus on on bringing a little bit more stability to Mexico, and I, I think. Um, or, or image or, or ideas in the country are way to polarize to work with the United States. Uh, why? Because it's our neighbor on the north, and we see them as a, like a first world country, like a, a like you know, full of technological developments. But I believe uh, to impose our country, uh, we need to take a look at Europe and and uh, and Asia, right? Because right now there is more advances in technology and and economic stability that that there is in Europe. I noticed this when when I started living in Europe and I say, wow, like, I mean, we could learn so much from them. So I've been working with Indacoin uh, in, 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 in bringing this adoption to new projects and, and to bring them to, to... And with them, we've been, you know... We provide service to 120, more than 120 countries, but we still have to have to fight in Latin America because they are the technological advances are not as good as in other countries. So there is a lot of room of development, which I like. I mean, of course, you like the places where there is potential to grow, but I was about to ask you because. I see on the Twitter page of Indicoin that it says that you can purchase dozens of cryptocurrencies instantly with a bank card without registration. So what does this without registration part entail? Okay, uh, well, just to clarification, we do full KYC, AML, and GDPR. We're, we are fully compliant in Europe, but it means like... 
Um, in other type of, of what we call on-ramp gateways, you have to, you know, verify your email address, everything. Like the, the onboarding process is, it takes way much more time than with us. Uh, with us, it's really easy. We try to build a platform and we have a native app and we try to make it in the terms of adoption so everyone can, uh, knows how to use it in an easy way. We, we don't want to be like an exchange, you know, that you have order books and then you have to put, you know, how much you want to buy and, and you have a lit, like, like you have a spots, and derivatives, options, futures. No, we just want to make it simple and say, okay, I have $100 at one Bitcoin and we will give you the rate and you can buy directly. That's, that's what we, we mean with like without any registration because you just download the app. Put your credit card number, email address, uh, basic KYC, and then uh, you will have the the crypto, right? So it's really simple. Now, okay, in- I'm a bit disappointed. I was yeah. hoping that you tell me that you don't need KYC and you operate like <laughs> BISC or something. I wish. I mean, in the past, it was uh, like the 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 requirements are were more um, relaxed you know, but now we are licensed in the UK, you know, we're going for FCA license, we're registered there. So uh, starting after the AML 5B, the, the anti-money laundering directive, the five, fifth directive here in, in, in Europe, the restrictions uh, or, or the rules for KYC, they're more strict. So we have to follow them. I mean, um at the end it's hard i i I am pro privacy you know pro like uh, one of the most idealistic uh rules or 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 visions of 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 bitcoin and uh and the cryptocurrencies like you own your your own keys you know i am pro that but it's hard to go into the institutional part uh, with these rules, so so we are in between, and we have to follow them, and and we have to uh, abide by the rules of the governments. Yeah, unfortunately. But before it was it was easier. There was no no requirement of KYC in in in, in Europe below one hundred and fifty euros. But now now it's a requirement. So I'm sorry, Vlad. <laughs> uh, it's fine. We still have a couple of alternatives. And uh, if these go away, we're going to have more and more, I guess. Just like, you know, you used to have BitMEX that was yeah very hard to regulate. But once it got too big, it was targeted by all sorts of jurisdictions. And now it's going to do full KYC of users. But there's going to be something else that pops out and takes its place. And it's like and a wave know. that only crashes into the rocks and then another one comes. But... It needs to stay small for a while. <laughs> for example, in, in Mexico, I did a study, um, some research, and uh, around $46 million, they are moving in uh, in local Bitcoins. So <laughs> it, it, the, the numbers, I, I believe that I did $46 million that I checked that they move like in within a month, I think. But it's a really big volume for just local bitcoins and local bitcoins it's purely p2p you know well the you know the the platform they they check uh of course they they take a percentage of 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 like i believe one percent is what they take but it's purely p2p and there, there's still gonna be these platforms in the future but actually uh, now that i think about it also local bitcoins they do KYC, so so it's uh, yeah it's it's uh, less and less the, the 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 services that you can get without uh, customer verification. Oh yeah, I think local Bitcoin started doing KYC just last year yeah. around this time in August or September. I remember that because I wrote the article for Bitcoin Magazine about it. But let's. Okay, we talked about your business and your work. Let's talk about you and how you got involved and what your vision is for Bitcoin. And, you know, how, why are you here? Well, um, 
I start, uh, I believe I, as a lot of people in the industry, I read about Bitcoin on a Wired magazine um, back in the days. Like it was, I believe, 2013, 2014. And um, by that time, I was still living in Texas. I, I, I am from Mexico, but I, I, I live in Texas for quite some time, like eight years. And um, I, I did a little bit of, 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 of like, I, I think I, I grabbed a faucet and I took some Bitcoin from it. Um, but as everyone, like, I lost my laptop and that was it. So I was keeping following of, of the price for, for, for a long time. And on 2015, I got back into the game, like really interested. So I started just to, to purchasing some, some Bitcoin and following the, the trends and everything. And uh, I was having a normal job, you know. And I decided that, that I was not really happy with my job at that time. And I, I decided, like, you know, just fuck it, like, like I'm, I'm gonna quit, and I'm, I'm just gonna take some time off, and then I start reading more about Bitcoin, researching more, not only about Bitcoin, but I, I, I also try different things, like I, I, you know, DLTs. Uh, I read about blockchain, the different, different type of blockchains, like, and I believe, and this is what it kept me here. I believe this is the revolution, man. Like this is the new, the technology that is gonna change the world, and it's actually changing. You know, like um, in terms of remittance, in terms of, of exchange of information, and most, the the most, uh, the value that it has the most is trust, and that's how I believe Bitcoin. Uh, one of the the, the bigger um, things in Bitcoin is trust, right? Because uh, you can trust the transaction. You know where it's coming from. You know that it's real. You cannot duplicate it. You cannot uh, double spend. You cannot do that. So it, it, it will change the, you know, they, I've seen a lot of examples on the blockchain and supply chain and everything. I don't know if they're going to be true, but at least Bitcoin in, in 10 years, it has proven that it's, it's immutable. It's trust. You can have trust on it, and I mean that's what it brings me here. I just want to be part of this and see it grow and see it explode. Because still, ten years later, we're really small in 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 terms of the whole industry in the world and the whole economy. But so there is so much room of improvement that I want to take my part to 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 develop this in, in especially in Latin America. Yeah, I know. And it's been almost 12 years, even if we don't realize it, but it has been some time. The world has gotten used to the idea of Bitcoin. I think it's a powerful brand. I think in the last few years, it has worked flawlessly and the network has really operated in the way that it was supposed to, with nodes being more self-interested and not necessarily following a leadership. We can see that in the SegWit adoption. We can see that in the ongoing debate, which Nor signatures and Graphroot, Taproot, all that stuff. There is not much support for it yet because people want to see something that's tested. And people don't update their nodes when there's a new version out there because this isn't Ethereum or something. You can follow, as long as you follow the basic rules, you can run any version of the client, you can make your own client, which only respects the basic rules and takes away something that you don't like about the protocol. And it's just incredible. It's I think it's one of the most successful, if not the most successful experiment in anarchy. Well, it, yeah, I wouldn't call it already an experiment, you know, because it it's been proven that it works. <laughs> so, I, I mean, we, we can see it. I mean, there is even uh, regimes that they last less than Bitcoin. So already for me, even if right now goes to zero and they find a flow or whatever, I, I wouldn't call it already an experiment, but it was like a, like a, like a, it's market history, you know. I, I think it's already, it's already good, you know. But 
um, in terms of adoption, and here is the hard part because, you know, we have, of course, Bitcoin maximalists and everything that they go pro-technology, pro all these protocols and all these developments. But if you really want adoption is how a normal person, uh, like, like a standard citizen, will understand Bitcoin. And for me, this still is the... Because I'm, I'm into business development, right? I'm into getting new projects and development in new countries. How to explain the, the local entities and governments of how... What is Bitcoin? And that they don't take it in a bad way, right? Because any new technology... And any new development, they, the first uses that they had were kind of shady, like Bitcoin had it long time ago. But how to remove this stigma and, and make them an explainer, explain them in a clear manner that actually Bitcoin is what, what we should impose and it will help to the, to, to the development of the countries. It's really hard to get to, to that part of the adoption. I don't know if you follow my my uh, idea. Of course I do. I mean, I know people, and when I tell them about Bitcoin, they think, oh, it's that Silk Road coin. It's the one that you used to buy drugs. It's the one that's being used by criminals. Because even today, if you watch some TV shows, they talk about Bitcoin as some sort of dark money that only criminals use. And it's taken a while for it to change this public image that it acquired maybe in the early years. But I think it's getting better due to institutions stepping in. I mean, I don't like the fact that they step in. I don't like the fact that they're going to be much more in control and it's going to get serious at some point when they own the largest amount of Bitcoins. And you can see that Coinbase owns like, what, 800,000 or more. And exchanges like Bitfinex, they also own a lot. So they have a lot of power already. And if you are going to have governments and banks, it's going to be interesting to see how they influence the development and where this ends. Actually, uh, it's funny because I, I think also one of the biggest backholders of, 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 of Bitcoin, it's the Bulgarian government as well, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. I think they uh, they confiscated a supply from from mafia a long time ago, and they haven't. Uh, I think they haven't auctioned this this Bitcoin. So they are actually one of the biggest as well, <laughs> which is is kind of funny. But um, I agree with you. I mean. I, I, I don't like uh, governments to rule this, especially, I mean, living in the States taught me that there are like crazy rules that the governments take. And uh, also in China, I mean, China, it's like, there's a lot of like industry going in China. Like mostly all of the miners from, from Bitcoin comes from China, right? All the mining at, at one time was heavily concentrated in China. It was one of the big, big parts of mining of Bitcoin in China. But still, the government, um, you know, they, they they implemented this this new social rating uh, that you know they can ban you from travel and everything. So the government it can can implement like severe uh, measures. For, for the citizens and actually control control this. So government it's uh, and, and Bitcoin they're they always been in conflict, I believe. I think I agree to some extent that they are in conflict. But what I was about to remark about our conversation is that it's refreshing to for once not talk about the United States only. Because many times the discussion is too much focused on what's going on in the U.S. as if that's the only part of the world that matters. But there is a whole world out there that actually needs Bitcoin for different reasons than the U.S., which mostly regards it as some sort of speculative investment or hedge against the government. True. I mean, um, and this is the case that 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 is the case in Latin America, um, especially Venezuela, Argentina, and other places. That it, it's like 
like a stable coin, <laughs> which is kind of crazy, you know, like to think a Bitcoin that has not, uh, it, it fluctuates a lot, but there it's a store of value. Like it's more stable than the current currency. Um, and for me, uh, the one it, it, one of the priorities in Latin America is to bring this adoption and make it. Um, I see, like in the past, a lot of projects they 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 try to implement this adoption of Bitcoin, but why they fail? Because they just want to transform the 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 crypto money to fiat, right? So to have it in a in a prepaid Visa or Mastercard or something, but in my ideal to bring adoption is to actually pay the suppliers, pay the services, pay everything directly with Bitcoin. What it means that, of course, at the beginning will be hard for 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 you know commercial entities to accept Bitcoin because they need to pay. But if you make it in a good way. They, the the customer won't know the back end of of the process of the money, but but of of or of of the Bitcoin, but so you can create a type of payment that you could pay. Let let's not say coffees at this moment, but invoices from the commercial perspective with Bitcoin, because um, we have a lot of commerce in Mexico that comes from China, from Russia, from Europe. And maybe implement a solution like that to pay like all these uh, commercial products in in Bitcoin will be will be beneficial. First of all, because it's faster than the swift transfer and any money remittance. So um, I'm advocating for that. I'm working in a project that is is, is helping to accelerate the the money transfer using uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And let's hope next year it, it will we hopefully release it for you know for 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 commercial use and I hope it brings adoption to, to Latin America. So let's hope about that. I sure hope so too because the governments need to learn a lesson and I don't think they're going to be taught that lesson just by free elections or just by having experts from, I don't know, the World Bank or IMF step in and tell them how economies should work. Because they they also follow the kind of economic philosophy that eventually leads to a lot of inflation. So I suppose having this type of competition from a currency that's not owned by any other country, that's neutral and apolitical, you cannot change it with politics, that's really helpful. And I don't think that at any point in the next 100 years, maybe, we're going to get rid of you know, governmental money, fiat money, or money that's backed by gold or Bitcoin or anything. Governments will just want to issue their own money and have control over the population because that's how they work. If they don't have control over the money, then their authority is going to diminish so hard and so badly that they're going to lose the legitimacy in front of their citizens. They're not going to be able to collect any taxes and that's how the system collapses. But with Bitcoin, they're going to become much more transparent and much more accountable and they're going to try really hard to convince the citizens that they still provide a useful service or something that the citizens should care about enough to pay taxes. Yeah, that's true. And actually, uh, in my terms to to explain when um, to entities, uh, especially when they're like like uh, legal entities, like like. Like you know, from from a government, governmental entities, why Bitcoin? It's the place to to bet to. I uh, explain this part uh, that that you you explain. It's more it's more transparent and more clean than cash. Why? Because you can track the transactions. So of course, um, I mean, if you done KYC on an exchange, you can track 
where the money is from. And, and, and a lot of exchanges, they work either with chain analysis or other like chain analytical companies that they, they screen the, the transactions, they screen the blocks and they follow the money. And then you can know if this, in, if this Bitcoin was on the dark web, if it was used on gambling, if it was used on other type of like, you know, like, like heavy stuff like child pornography and, and everything and uh, actually that is beneficial for the government and for for the citizens right because you can stop uh making use of bitcoin for these illegal activities which some of them they're really bad and really perverse and you can follow and track that if you want to be anonymous then you just don't have to fall into the fiat money and that's okay with bitcoin you know, but if you want to fall into the fiat money, well, then you just have to 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 do normal KYC, and a government will be okay. And it it helps the governments to track the money. So, um, in this way, to explain it to to the legal entities, to the governmental entities, you've seen that they are more relaxed about it than uh, before. That you know they have this stigma about just using it on the dark web and stuff. So were you able to convince any governmental officials that they should be using Bitcoin? And can you provide any examples of your negotiations? Well, um, at this moment, we are I'm, I'm in discussions with the, the National Commission in, in Comisión Nacional Bancaria de Valores. It's like the, the National Bank, like National Commission of, of, of Banks and Values in Mexico. And uh, in the letter that I provide by, by one of my lawyers, this is not uh, within the coin, so I'll, I'll just rephrase that. This is a, a, a different project. Uh, we made um, clear about this, about the, the you know, that, you have chain analysis. You can make sure that the, the money that will enter the the country will be clean and will be not uh, from money laundering or dark web or anything. And yeah, they they understand it in that way. They are more more um, relaxed about it, and actually they like the idea. You know. Um, we don't go into the subject of KYC, which is different because you can actually uh, separate both. You can know where the money comes from without revealing who who is the owner of the of the wallet, right? Of the wallet address. But at least you know that the money, you know, it comes from an exchange. The Bitcoin comes from an exchange or or from the dark web, and they like this idea because nobody likes like black money and. Like, for example, here in the Netherlands, we had the case that, you know, banks are really um, against Bitcoin. And then there was a big, big case a couple of years ago because uh, ABN AMRO and um, ING, they were laundering money from El Chapo in, <laughs> in Mexico. So it's like, like I mean, they don't accept you to use your bank account to buy crypto, but at the same time, they got caught laundering money from the cartels. So it's kind of a fucked up situation. Excuse my 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 French, but yeah, it, it it makes no sense, right? I mean, they don't want any competition, right? They want to hold a monopoly on laundering money. <laughs> That's right, and and you know here, like I mean, in the Netherlands, it's like uh, it's kind of like hard because some people sometimes you know uh you, there is a lot of people there is a lot of experts the the ratio of experts it's really big but so to to some europeans like friends from spain or friends from italy it's really hard to get a credit card from 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 a national bank uh, sometimes they say because they are not dutch but then it's like okay it's hard you know, to get a credit card, but you take money from from the cartel. So what was the deal, right? So, um, but you see, it, it's it's all like in, in the system. Um, I, I am advocating for adoption um, for not so much in the governmental entities, but which are needed, but more in the normal population, standard population. Because if you see crypto Twitter, the 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 
the conversations can be really, they are highly elevated technically at some moment uh, in terms of Bitcoin. And if you want to introduce to to someone to 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 Bitcoin, and then you're you're talking about you know proof of work and all like the hash rate and all the new the Lightning Network, it, it is so much so much information because we've been in this industry for twelve years that it's so hard to to explain like in five minutes because there's been so many developments, so many discussions of how, how to do with the blocks, with everything. And you just needed to make it in a concise way. And, and, and then I will ask you, Vlad, like how would you explain Bitcoin like in, 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 two sen- in one sentence? In one sentence, I think I would explain Bitcoin as pirate money that the government cannot take away from you, that gives you some sort of plausible deniability, that you don't need to bury somewhere in the Pacific so that nobody will hopefully ever find it, and which allows you to make any transaction with anyone without any third party being able to stop you from doing it. I like especially the the last part. I think is what what I use. Like it's it's you know like your own money and nobody can restrict you to to use it or not. So um, and this is one of the 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 main advantages in Latin America, which call a lot of people. You know that you have you are in control on your own funds because there's been a history in a lot of countries that the banks from one day to another they just close and that's it. They have your money. You cannot exchange to U.S. dollar or any other uh, coin, and um, basically you are left there without any any power any power or control on your own funds. I mean that's insane because usually in countries when banks open or close, they're supposed to be backed by governmental money to some extent at least to some amount, which is the top amount. I think in Romania, if you open an account, it's covered by the government up to 50,000 euro per person. Correct, but but take examples. For example, in Europe, it happened uh, with uh, Greece and uh, Cyprus that uh, when the economic collapse happened, they just close the banks, and not so not so far away right now with the corona. I I heard in I think in Turkey and or other country that they restrict the the access to banks. Even in Russia, it happened like like not so not so long ago. So uh, I mean the the funds are there, but if you they let you just let's say withdrawal one hundred. Uh, pesos or 200 pesos a day and then you have 20,000 you you got the idea right <laughs> they are actually controlling the the supply and and the liquidity of, of, of the cash so it's really strange uh, how how this control is but bitcoin actually helps to to have another way out of, of it and to be in 100% control of, of your finances. If it's the case that you have it in a, in a, you know, in a cold or hot wallet, like not, not your keys, not your money, it's, it, it applies totally, right? Because then if you have it in an exchange, you have to trust the, this exchange. So you have spoken to people from Latin America who are interested or may be interested in Bitcoin how do they react to this part about being their own banks? Are they scared or are they excited about this new power of sovereignty? No, they're they're really excited. Um, this year, um, in March, I was in Panama for a Bitcoin conference, like like a, like crypto conference, and uh, I mean, I get to discuss with a lot of people, especially Argentinians, Venezuelans, and then some people in Panama, some from Mexico, and everyone is excited about this idea, right, Uh, of having 
uh, being in control of your own money first. And uh, because, you know, like in Europe, the in Europe and the United States, uh, the industry of crypto, it's in another level. It's a mature industry. In, in, in Europe and, and the United States, they're talking more about uh, GDPR, about institutional uh, institutional investment, all these like super high, like like high level type of negotiation, right? Whereas in uh, in in Latin America, it's been to the basics of just like money remittance, transfer of value like having been in control of your own economy. So uh, I I guess, uh, or I take it like in Latin America, we're in a junk stage with a lot of room for development. Uh, whereas in, in USA and in Europe, we're in a more mature market, right? And they like the idea to be to have these these um, type of solutions. There is, a, I believe, an app, it's called Defiant, and uh, it's like a P2P uh, kind of local Bitcoins, but it works with with um, with uh, location, geolocation, and you can see people that is around you, and you can do like transfers between them. And there is a, a different types of of applications that are being developed there to to do this type of transfer, like P2P mainly, without using banks or any other financial institutions. So there is a big, big adoption on that in Latin America. They like the idea, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes a lot of people complain that it's hard to be your own bank and it's frightening, this idea that if you lose your keys, you lose all of your money. But I suppose to people who are used to losing their money in banks, they'd rather be cautious about some digital asset that they're owning, then lose their money out of somebody else's fault. Exactly. It's, it's like uh, where, where you get, like, everyone talks as they experience, right? So for Europeans, I mean, I mean, you don't worry too much about uh, a bank having your funds because the economy is stable and you never seen uh, that a bank closes and takes their money no but but if you were born or or lived in latin america you see that you see that a lot and then people is more careful about this and i mean i know people that still they don't go to the bank they just stuff cash in their in the mattress because they experienced like 15 or, or, or 10 years ago uh, economic depression and economic crisis and the banks closed and they were without any money so a lot of people they still <laughs> stashing cash you know and other other types of of, of, of ideas to, to preserve or buy gold or buy silver but here in Europe I mean everything kind of it's working so people don't worry but there it's a it's a big issue about that I mean it's mostly working in Western Europe and possibly Central Europe but here in Eastern Europe where I'm based we have a different experience we have been a communist country for 40 years, and it was terrible. I mean, to some people it was fine because they were given land and they were given opportunities that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Possibly, there was no way to know. But, you know, my family has lost everything that they owned. And I I had a grand-grandfather who was a butcher and another grand-grandfather who was a carpenter. And they had small businesses with, with maybe one or two employees but they were still declared enemies of the state. They still had to suffer the humiliation of having all of their money, all of their animals that they were raising in their yards and all of their land taken away and be humiliated by stigma. And the lesson that I've learned from the stories that I have heard from family members is that it's good to not trust the government too much with your money and trust in the stability of the status quo because you never know what's going to happen. 
we're not quite, you know, a world power to be able to impose our view of the world on the rest of the world. So we have to adapt and we have to learn how to survive by ourselves. Part of the reason why I like Bitcoin is this unconfiscatability, which is not an easy word to say, but it's a very powerful word. Once you figure out that even, even in the United States, there was order the executive order 6102 by Franklin D. Roosevelt, which confiscated all gold and made all citizens turn in their holdings of gold. So even the most of democratic countries which respect your human rights and have a lot of respect for the sanctity of private property will come after whatever it is that you have as long as they know that they can have it. Yeah, that that's uh, that's so true. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, well, they probably they will see, you know, they they need it for some reason, or they don't think about it. But, but yeah, I mean, in in Mexico, like for example, a difference with the the, the states, you know, if you find oil in in the states, it's and if you find it in your own land, it, I mean, it's yours. But in Mexico, the oil, everything that goes below the the ground, it's property of the government. Right, so um, we 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 experience this uh, all, all our life, um, and for me it's amazing uh, with Bitcoin, right? Because even if you have your bitcoins, and even if you have them on a nano ledger, right, and you just take a plane, you're in full control. And and to think about it, uh, like. With gold, you cannot, you know, just carry the world uh, wherever you want because it's super heavy. Uh, with cash, well, you will need a really big uh, luggage. But uh, with Bitcoin, you can just, you know, have it on a on a paper wallet. Even on a, if you can memorize your 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 private key, you can just you don't need anything. It's only on the on the blockchain, and you can travel anywhere and move it anywhere, and you're in full control of it. And which is, that is that is super crazy, man. <laughs> like, like if you think about it, is 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 super super crazy. It gives you a lot of freedom, and um, freedom and trust, and those are like really big values of Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, my grandfather could only wish to have Bitcoin, yet there are so many people who are skeptical about it just because of the price volatility or just because they don't understand how decentralization works. They don't know it's open source software. They have no idea there are thousands or dozens of thousands of nodes worldwide operating at any time to secure the network and validate every transaction to make sure that the data remains true and scarce at the same time. So when I talk to my father, for example, he's like, oh, don't worry, this Bitcoin is going to go. Just wait for Putin or for Donald Trump to do something. And it goes just like that. It vanishes in thin air, like poof. But he doesn't know. He doesn't understand that even if governments ban it, we can still run Bitcoin on our laptops with Tor. And there is no way to associate. I mean, I guess with exit nodes, they can still find out some information. So maybe Tor is not the ideal technology for privacy. But we can still find privacy and ways to use Bitcoin without actually associating it with our identity. Um, I'm talking about that. It's really interesting because, yeah, I mean... And I think you 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 mentioned it before in in some um, podcast, but in in Latin America there is um, the the internet connection is not the best, let's say it like that, and and sometimes it's uh, interrupted connection like the the ping is too long, you know. So so I was really interested with one guy on Twitter in, in Venezuela that he. Uh, connected a, a Bitcoin node 
and, and he is running the Bitcoin node. He try he put it with a with a satellite. I believe it, I think it's from a brand, a Blockstream or something like that. I, I don't know if you've heard of it, but you can actually like like you know you buy this, you you plug the satellite, and then you don't need like an internet connection which is like super crazy right so you're actually off the grid uh, <laughs> running a node so it, it's kind of interesting i would like to try it i i i have not um but i would like to try this to to run a node with with a satellite it, it is really interesting i would also love to do that you know just to get that blockstream kit or just build my own with a dish antenna and everything. Unfortunately, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to install the antenna because I live in a block of apartments. So I would have to get, you know, to file some sort of request and get permission from the landlord and from everyone around, like my neighbors, so that they say, I'm not bothered by this extra antenna that's going to hang by the wall. But if I manage to do that, I can only imagine that it's really awesome. Just to have one Bitcoin node that's independent from any kind of internet connection. That's just, you know, sci-fi. I think it's exactly what the people from the Pirate Bay wanted to do, except that torrenting requires a lot more bandwidth and it's more difficult to decentralize. Whereas with Bitcoin, you just need to store one megabyte every 10 minutes. Of course, you're going to need a lot more bandwidth to do validation and to make sure that the true chain state remains and is kept. But other than that, you know, it's just out of this world. I'm happy that there are so many smart people involved in this project. I'm happy that I'm part of this and I'm learning every day. And the sky is the limit, like literally. Actually, it's not because you can go into the stratosphere and find the satellites there, which offer you a free sync of the Bitcoin blockchain. So no, the sky is not the limit. The moon, I guess, is the only limit so far. Yeah, or, or no limits at all, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it is incredible what... what um people in in this industry has done especially i believe that all this creation and innovation comes because actually the, the the community is still small for for the time being but it's really passionate about the the, the changes that these uh these ideals and and this technology has brought to, to the world. So I think that's what it impulses everything. And I, I really am I'm eager to see uh, really a lot of changes in Latin America um, because uh, for one thing or the other, we haven't been in the best position, but there is so much room for improvement. Uh, people is super nice. We are like I love going to to my neighbor countries and and people from you know Venezuela, Argentina, Colombia. They're all fascinating, but it 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 it, it hurts me uh, sometimes to see what happened with with our governments uh, and with our economy. So um, I'm trying really hard to ask together with Indacoin to bring adoption in, in, in Latin America to support new projects there that they are looking for, for you know, um, ways to bring their project to people. And um, so if anyone like of your listeners, they want to, to contact me, feel free because uh, that's that's my mission, just, just to bring adoption and, and to bring to spread the, the love of, of, of Bitcoin and crypto in, in Latin America. So if anyone wants to contact you and write to you and possibly do business with you in Latin America, help you spread adoption, or I don't know, just help you in any way or just talk to you, how can they do it? Um, well, I'm in uh, all, you know, you gave my Twitter, 
which is uh, P-L-U-C-O-I-N-Z, Plucoins. And then, of course, I have Telegram, um, which is uh, L-U-I-S-N-L. That's it. That's my Telegram. And they can send me a message. And yeah, <laughs> I hope I don't get too much spam because I always get like crazy you know if you're in telegram yo and and you're in crypto you always get like you know hey do you wanna like uh invest some bitcoin and then you will get 10 percent every day or something like these crazy scams so no we're, we're interested in in real projects like uh with with like like the real industry right so if you have any project in Latin America or any other part of the world, because we are in 120 countries, more than 120 countries, uh, please let me know. And we, we are here to help, you know, like we want to bring adoption. And um, it's really nice that uh, the crypto Twitter works so good because I could get t- in touch with you and be here. I'm uh my first time talking in a podcast but i i love like this industry and i hope uh at least next year we can i i am be able to to travel to some conferences and and have a little bit more touch with with people in the industry so if anyone even if they don't have a program they just want to talk and you know uh, discuss any situation just reach me out I'm, I'm fully available and i'm always try to reply all my message so feel free to contact me oh yeah it's so nice to see that everyone is so open to talking and i guess this is the best way to figure out that we are still in the early days when you know somebody who is an executive in a company that operates in over 100 countries is still nice enough to give you his Twitter address and say, you know, you can contact me, we can talk. I have time to take opinions from you. And this is part of the reason why I'm still excited after all these years to check Twitter every day to see how everyone is doing to find out something new. And that's another reason for you to listen to podcasts. And I hope, by the way, Louis, that many more podcast hosts will have you so that you can tell the story about increasing adoption in Latin America? Oh, well, I hope so too. And uh, Vlad as well, uh, you know, if you're ever in Mexico or, or Amsterdam, let me know and we can have a couple of beers <laughs> and discuss more in depth like uh, uh, like the, the industry in terms. But it's really nice. It's really nice. Um, I'm, I'm really happy of what you're doing for, for the industry. Uh, I see that you work a lot. Uh, I believe you also have another podcast, like recording today or, or maybe this evening. So oh, I did it already. Yeah. So so yeah, uh, you you see you you and and you write for for a lot of people. So uh, I mean, I'm really happy that you give me this time. Um, yeah, man, and uh, feel welcome to send me a message or anything. Uh, we're always here. Oh, yeah. So if I ever get to Mexico, we're not going to have beer unless it's Corona, but we can have some tequila. Uh, I'm fine with that. Oh, yeah. Nice. And you have to try mezcal, which is, uh, yeah, also really, really nice. So for sure, for sure, man. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe someday when I will afford to travel right now, I think if I am to take a plane to New York, which is the East Coast of the United States, I pay like a thousand dollars just for a one-way ticket. Wow, that's crazy! Prices are crazy. Yeah, maybe it's lower now because of Corona, not the beer, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, with Corona times, it, it, it's uh, it changed everything, right? But at least um, uh, uh, we're looking for the optimistic. Part of it here, like um, at least this this second half of the year, for for the industry, there's been a lot of developments, and it's kind of crazy. I I had like conversation before the halving 
about how will Bitcoin, like, you know, giving like kind of a forecast. And actually now we see that it, it, it's giving a, a nice uh, movement, a lot of developments, not only economical price, but, but in technology as well. And even with the corona, it's moving really good. So let's hope uh, the corona situation finishes uh, soon and we can give the full potential for crypto again. I hope so too. And I really want to come to Mexico one day. I hope your border control is not as harsh as in the United States, but I definitely need a visa. So yeah. we'll see. I, I don't know if you need a visa because uh, have you checked before? Because right now we have open. I'm actually flying tomorrow um, because I need to do some work there. But I don't think you need a visa because you're from Romania. I don't know. Uh, have you checked? I mean, I suppose we actually need a visa for South America. Yeah. Well, but anytime, I mean, in, in another space, maybe uh, feel free to, to come. And yeah, I, I will show you around. So right now the, the borders are open there. There is a lot of cases of Corona, but uh, yeah, I just need to be a little bit careful traveling. And, you know, take the safety measures, distance and everything, and we'll be fine. Okay, so I'm not sure if I have anything else to ask you at this time. I'm very happy that we got to talk. If you get the chance, and you should get the chance, you should definitely follow Lewis at P-L-U-C-O-I-N-Z, Bluecoins on Twitter. He posts about Latin America and even Dave Portnoy sometimes and memes about Yam, which is funny. So yeah, just follow him. And I guess we're going to hear more from you from other podcasts or podcasters. So I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Vlad. And uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, <laughs> I post a lot of memes on, 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 on CT, on crypto Twitter. But yeah, uh, thank you for your time and uh, enjoy the day. We'll keep in touch. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye bye.